So we're going to start today's episode with Frederick Nietzsche. Hmm. Frederick Nietzsche was an idiot. <laughs> no, he wasn't an idiot. No friend of Christianity. Though. No friend of Christianity. Uh, and he is famous for coining the phrase, God is dead. Now, uh, that does not mean that he thought that there was a God who actually died. Uh, what he meant by that was uh, the God of the Western world, uh, as, as we came to know him, uh, was passing away because of things like the Enlightenment. Now that reason has come, we no longer have any need for these ancient religions. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, hasn't Darwin really given us the answer to our origin, so on and so forth? And uh, he wasn't exactly happy about the death of God in the West because he was, he, he quite astutely observed the reality that human beings are innately religious creatures. Okay, now he didn't understand why they were innately religious creatures. Right. He thought that he, for different reasons, but he understood that there's no such thing as abandoning religion. There's not going to be a vacuum. And so what he said was, is that there's going to be a secular religion with secular priesthood and mm-hmm. and uh, secular doctrines of sin and secular ways to atone for sin. And that has everything to do with today's episode, which is about the hegemony. Right. So for the last several weeks, we've been talking about critical theory. Uh, we just did an introduction to it. Then we did an overview of it. Last week, we talked about the history of it. And this week, we are starting our four to 14 part series (laughs) critique on the four major pillars of critical theory, one of which is the idea of the hegemony. Right. Okay. What is the hegemony? So the hegemony uh, is essentially the the society that you live in. It's their values. It's their cultural assumptions, their practices, their norms would be a way of saying it. Yeah. It's all the outflow of their fundamental beliefs. Yeah, it's the uh, outflow of their religion. It's the outflow of their religion, and that's that's a key point. So Nietzsche thought that the Christian hegemony of the West was going to crumble away and die, and it was going to be replaced with something else. That's right. And it seems like, in our own day, critical theory is winning that race. It's the something else. It is the something else. Yeah, and, and we would say that Nietzsche was right on this point yeah. uh, for the wrong reasons, but he was right. And we want to argue that contemporary critical theory is essentially a religion. That's right. Uh, it's and, and that can sound a little confusing at first. We're going to unpack what that means. Yeah. Uh, a lot of that has to do with how we define religion. Right. But what's important to understand is this idea of hegemony is answering fundamental questions about reality. Okay. What's good, what's bad? Right. What's beautiful, what's ugly? What's yeah. right, what's wrong? And uh, every culture has this. Every culture has them. Every individual has answers to these questions. That's right. Whether or not they are conscious of those and clearly defined. Yeah. So you can subconsciously uh, go about your day, about your life, yeah. like you don't care about religion. Yeah. Uh, and yet you will have assumptions about things like right and wrong, good and bad, ugly and beautiful, uh, ultimate meaning, and you will act those out whether you intend to or not. Because they all flow out of life's deepest possible questions, which are all inherently religious. That's right. So let's let's talk about this misunderstanding of religion, because we're saying CCT and and cultural Marxism and all that, it's a a religion. But people, when they think about religion, they think about uh, a prophet who gave us a holy book, and there's a bunch of do's and don'ts, and that's what religion is. Or there's a god and or gods that tell you what to do. Yeah. 
Yeah, so this is actually a very new, very novel definition of religion. Okay. So for centuries, religion was understood to be a category of thought, a category of questions, and whatever answers you gave to those questions, that was your religion. Yeah. So the hegemony that we just talked about answers those questions. Yeah. It's how society, at the societal level, how society answers those questions. Uh, and that is something that changed in the mid-20th century. Um, so humanism. Okay. Humanism is a term that's been used for hundreds of years. Calvin was a humanist. Cal yeah, exactly. Different kind of humanist. Okay. Uh, there's all kinds of different uses of the term humanism. Out of the Enlightenment, or around you know the, the, the same sort of thinking of Nietzsche, there was this movement away from organized religion right. and towards this what, what was called the religion of man, yeah. the religion of reason, uh, I believe is what Thomas Paine called it. Yeah. Uh, and from that, in the early 20th century, you had a formalization of this religion, they called it a religion, of humanism. So formal that they, in fact, had churches where they held meetings, they sang secular humanist hymns. That's right. Uh, yeah. The Humanist Manifesto, which was published in 1933, was essentially their religious uh, creed. Yeah. Uh, now, they understood this to be a religion despite the fact that they rejected the existence of a deity. They right. rejected the right. supernatural. But they recognized that we're answering all the same fundamental questions as every other religion in the world. That's right. We're just answering it differently. Yes. Um, so we today tend to think of religion as, okay, there's got to be a God. Uh, what happened in our understanding of that term came from a dispute between conservative Christians in the United States and this humanistic religion. Uh, essentially, the Humanists Association in the United States was pushing their religious view into the public schools. Right. And Christians said, hey, I thought we weren't supposed to do that. Right. And it went to the <laughs> Supreme Court. And Christians and, lost. And Christians lost. And the humanists very cleverly figured out like, oh, we can just drop the moniker religion from yeah. what we're doing. Yeah. And we can say we're a non-religion. Uh, and then we'll redefine religion in this very idiosyncratic way to mean yeah. only sets of beliefs that have to do with some supernatural deity. Right, right. And we're free from those restrictions. It's basically like no miracles, not a religion. It's exactly right. Okay. And so what they were able to do is retain their religion yeah. and get away with calling it a non-religion. So when we talk about this, we often hear people say we've progressed past religion. Mm -hmm. A, that's impossible. Right. Never going to happen. B, what we've progressed to is really a religion that's living under the guise of non-religion. Okay. Uh, it's a form of humanistic paganism, I think is yeah. the best way to refer to it. And, and CCT, contemporary, contemporary critical theory, is a form of this humanistic paganism. So instead of worshiping the river and the boa constrictor, we're worshiping reason. That's right. We're, okay. we're, it's a self-centered, man-centered We're worshiping ourselves. We're worshiping ourselves. And as Nietzsche said, uh, who killed God? We did. We did. And what does that cause us to think? Well, we, we probably should appoint ourselves as gods just to be worthy of that task. Yeah, that's good. And so we see that in our society today, and, yeah. and particularly in conversations about CCT, and hegemony, yeah. it's really vital for Christians to understand that this is not a discussion about religion versus secular ideas. Right. All truth is God's truth, Russell, don't you know? <laughs> We're talking about one religion versus another. Yes. It's not like we have a religion and we perceive a truth from the world that we can use as a tool in our religion. No, That's it's, right. it's, it's Christianity versus that religion. That's right. Okay. So all societies, 
have a hegemony. We, we want to actually agree with contemporary critical theory on this very small point. Yes. Which is that hegemony is a real concept. Yes. We would probably call it religion. Sure. Uh, but it is a concept that is true. And we're contemporary... Or at least, at least inextricably connected to religion. Inextricably yeah. connected. Where contemporary critical theory wants to dismantle the hegemony in the United States, what they're looking at is, in no small part, Christianity. Yeah. So what do I mean when, when I say uh, the Western hegemony or the Christian yeah. hegemony? What do I mean by that? Yeah, we use those kind of synonymously because so much of Western civilization grew out of a Christian worldview. Not all of it. We can certainly talk about it. Maybe we will later. Certain negative aspects of Western civilization. Uh, but largely, Western civilization is the result of the Christian worldview. And, yeah. and that's... That's not something we believe uh, alone. That's something contemporary critical theorists believe. Yeah, and so when they say that they want to, when they, Marx, Gramsci, anybody, when they say that they want to tear down Western civilization and replace it with something different, uh, many of them have just been honest enough to say, well, what we're referring to is Christianity. We, That's right. We said that last episode, Antonio Gramsci, for example, uh, uh, and the other guy, I forget his name off the top of my head, but, uh, they said, Horkheimer. <laughs> you got, you got Max Horkheimer. Um, but they said, you know, it is the latent existence of the Christian hegemony in Europe that is preventing the revolution from taking place. So we have to find a way to dismantle the Christian hegemony. That's right. Um, let me give you some contemporary examples okay. to just use that word to death. Yeah, that's good. Uh, here's a uh, social justice activist and thinker and writer who's... who's uh, Thinker? Thinker. Yeah. A little bit. Okay. That's how he describes himself. I'm trying to give him credit from his website here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, his name's Paul Kivell, I think. Okay. Uh, Kivell is maybe how you say it. Okay. So he says, I define Christian hegemony as the everyday, pervasive, and systematic set of Christian values and beliefs, individuals and institutions that dominate all aspects of our society through the social, political, economic, and cultural power they wield. So it's pervasive Christianity. Pervasive, yeah. It's Christianity that seeps into every pore and nook and cranny of civilization. That's right. Which, interestingly, is how we understand Christianity. That's right. We Insert Kuiper quote. That's right, okay. yeah. We understand that our Christian beliefs yeah. should overflow into our day-to-day -day lives, into the yeah. workplace, and how we speak, and yeah. how we do justice in our courts. Yeah. Uh, he goes on. He says, the concentration of power, wealth, and privilege under Christian hegemony accumulates to the ruling class and the predominantly white male Christian power elite that serve its interests. Mm. All people who are not Christian, as well as most people who are, experience social, political, and economic exploitation, violence, cultural appropriation, marginalization, alienation, yada, yada, yada. He goes on and on. Sure. Uh, here we start to see the other pillars of CCT. So this binary lens, the, the identity politics through which all situations and interactions have to be viewed, the call for justice. Um, right. We're going to unpack more of that stuff in future episodes. Right. But the key, the key thing I want you to hear in this is that when we say CCT is fundamentally trying to destroy Christianity, we're not making that up. Right. This is something that when I first heard it, like you, I, I thought, yeah. eh, that's a little discernment yeah. bloggy for me. Yeah, I don't think right. I really believe that. What is this, pulpit and pen? That's right. And then you actually read some of the prominent yeah. thinkers and academics behind this movement. And, yeah. oh, yeah, they they really do want yeah. that. I, I mean, a, a really simple example. I saw a tweet from a guy named Tim Snedeker. 
He's a faculty at UC Santa Barbara. Mm. He's a, a student in the religion department. Okay. He's a doctoral candidate, was teaching. Uh, he was prompted to answer the question on Twitter, what would you do with a time machine? Yeah. And he said, easy, I'd go back in time and kill Jesus. Right. Now, this is not just some one-off crazy example that you pulled no. from the internet. This comment didn't happen in a vacuum. Right. This, And it's just, you know, whenever you're talking with someone, you do the kind of reductio ad absurdum. You walk people's worldviews yeah. out to their logical and, and silly conclusions. Right. If you think that Western civilization, which is largely a Christian civilization, is responsible for all of the world's great evils, and somebody says, well here's an opportunity to kill the leader, the yeah. founder of the religion, it would make perfect sense. There would be nothing outrageous about that. And that's that's why I bring this tweet up. It's not for shock value. It's it's just to show that these are the logical conclusions right. of this way of thinking about the world. Now, to back up a little bit, okay. what CCT wants to do is to tear down the Western Christian hegemony. Right. What will it put in its place? Well... Uh, Marxism. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> it will put its own hegemony in its yeah, place. That's right. It will bring its own religion yeah. into our society. But the thing that's even troubling about that, and one seminary professor once said that uh, the you don't really ever have to worry about progressives because they always have to eat their young. Right, one generation has to eat. Well, once the oppressed stop being oppressed well according to this binary worldview well then they have to be the oppressors that's right and so then one day they'll have to be torn down yeah it's yep. not like there's a, a saintly class of people who will when they take the stage be completely right <laughs> you know kind and generous it's every a, good thing that humanity it's wants a or cycle needs. of bloodshed and revolution and yeah, violence that's right um unending it's right and, that, and there we see the marxist roots behind uh, much of this What's key here for understanding how this relates to... Hey, sorry, real quick. Yeah, yeah. One more thing on that. Go ahead. I think that they think... Well, I don't think. I know that they think that that won't happen. Contemporary critical theorists. Them, yeah. the cultural Marxism that it grew out of. Yep. They, I think that they really do think that once you get the right people in place and you have the intelligentsia working to back them up and you have all the uh, these things torn down... Utopia will come about. Yeah. That's the ultimate aim. That's right. So we just say, well, we just think you're wrong. We right. think it's going to end up in a cycle that never ends. Yeah. Because it's a religion, it has its own eschatology. That's right. It has its own perfect kingdom yeah. for eternity. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, so when we see examples like this where people are saying, look, Christianity is literally everything that's wrong with the West. Right. We got to tear it and down. And the world. It's oppressing people. It's discriminating. It's alienating. It's marginalizing. It's kind of a reasonable question to say, okay, give me some examples. Sure. Um, ironically, that would be considered a, a an oppressive line of questioning. In and of itself. In and I'm, of itself. That, I'm, I'd be, I'm, uh, you go. I'm demanding that you, the oppressed person, explain your oppression to me. That's right. And therefore increasing your oppression. Yeah, okay. which as we'll talk about when we unpack the epistemology of... of standpoint theory uh we'll we'll get into that yeah. but we're gonna we're gonna follow this anyway sure if i ask for examples and i get them what those examples look like generally falls into three categories three-point sermon so here we go go uh christianity is oppressing me by putting in god we trust on a one dollar bill is that the only example <laughs> crosses in public architecture uh crosses on pu in public cemeteries uh, Ten Commandments, statues, you name it. Yeah. Any example of or hat tip to Christianity in the public sphere uh, is considered a form of oppression. And I, I think what we see here is fundamentally a desire 
for the religion of humanistic paganism, that's that CCT is, to supplant, to replace Christianity in the public square. Right. They don't they don't want to cross on a public building because to them that's blasphemous. Right. In their religion, that is unholy and undeserving of attention. What they are doing is practicing iconoclasm. That's right. Yeah. Just a, against Christianity this time. Which is not a new thing. No. Religions have been going and desecrating one another's holy places and statues and symbols for centuries, and this is just a new religion doing the same thing to Christianity. That's right. Uh, the second thing... But they're we, getting it right this time. <laughs> that's right. This, <laughs> this time it'll work. Yes. Uh, the second thing we see is misrepresentations and uh, straw men attacks of Christianity. Uh, usually stuff that sort of relates to what we as Christians might think of as... Uh, the problem of evil or, or a lot of what atheists would typically charge Christianity with, with being immoral as a religion. So give me one example. Look what your followers have done. Right. Look at how Christians in the West enslaved Africans. Mm -hmm. Look at how Christians, uh, supposedly Christians today went and vandalized uh, a mosque. Right. Look at these terrible things Christianity does. Yeah. Uh, to which we would respond... Well, first of all, uh, it is possible that Christians do bad things. That is, that's a very real possibility. Part of our theology. Yep. Uh, second of all, it's also very possible and very likely that most of the people who do those bad things aren't Christians at all. Just yep. because they live in a in a culture that has a Christian hegemony doesn't mean that they themselves are Christians. Yep. Thirdly, uh, it if someone within a culture does something bad even if they ascribe to that those values, it doesn't necessarily mean that the hegemony is responsible for those bad deeds. That's right. So, for example, slavery, right? It's capitalism and Christianity produced chattel slavery. Well, no. Uh, it, colonialism, slavery, conquering and killing other tribes. Darwinian evolutionary theory. <laughs> Anyone, you know? Yeah. This has been happening for all of human history. That's so, right. for example, you take killing the the Native Americans and taking over their land and stuff. Uh, it, it's assumed capitalism, uh, Western exceptionalism, and Christianity are the three big three that kind of led us to do that. Yeah. But it doesn't really explain why all the Indians were killing each other and taking each other's lands before we got here. Well, and on top of that, we if you if you look a little harder at history, you see that the seed with which the abolitionist movement grew out of that right. but that puts chattel slavery to death in the West yeah. was found in Christian theology and was found in Christian movements. And it's only when the West decided to destroy slavery that the rest of the world was forced to be on board. Ironically, Thomas Sowell makes this point because of colonialism. Mm. Different episode. Different episode. All right, so the third category of objections to the, the Christian oppression in the West uh, is just fundamentally rejecting Christian ethics. Yeah. So a simple example of this is uh, Christianity and its hegemony are oppressing women by discouraging or trying to make it illegal for them to get abortions. Okay. Or Christianity is oppressing LGBTQ people by trying to uphold christian sexual ethics right uh to which we would again just just say yeah these are two different religions competing yeah. for what's true we're not sorry that we think that this is good and that is bad that's right yeah the christian hegemony uh i think is right to oppress murder yeah i think it's right to discriminate against thieving and adultery and all sorts of evils yeah uh that that our Christian beliefs, our ethics would say are wrong. Yeah, that's right. And where our religion 
bumps up against their religion, it really is just a battle over truth. Yeah. Whose God are we going to serve as a society? Yeah, that's right. And uh, not to dig too deep into this, but I think if you look at the history of the world, everywhere that Christianity has gone, people have uh, flourished. You yeah. know, uh, a lot of really good... Th- I'm not saying bad things haven't happened, but I'm saying a lot of good things have happened. And if you, if the question is, which hegemony is going to be in place, I think it should be the Christian one. I agree. Um, I'm going to circle back briefly. The The main thing I want to hit here in this episode okay. is that it's vital for Christians to understand that CCT is a, is a religion, it is yeah. a form of paganistic humanism, whatever you want to call it. It is a religion. And, and though many CCT theorists and advocates for their beliefs would say, hey, I don't even believe in God, uh, it's kind of like political philosophy. So if you have a political philosophy, you have a view about how we should be governed, okay. who should be in charge, how should our laws work. Well, let's say your political philosophy is anarchy. Yeah. What does that mean? Uh, no rules, nobody's in charge, yeah. free for all, carnage. So does that mean you're actually non-political philosophy or do you still have a political philosophy? That's right, yeah. You still have one. Yeah. So fundamentally religion is answering a category of questions. It's not choosing an answer that happens to appeal to God. Um, And so we really want Christians to think that way. And also remember that when you interact with people who are, uh, who've been, who've been influenced by the, these ideas, they will likely not recognize that it is a different religion. Yeah. Half of your evangelism is helping them to see that they are in fact being religious. That's right. Right. Presuppositional apologetics. Great tool. We're probably, have we done episodes on presupp? In the past. In the past. Let's do some more. Yeah, we can do some more. Yeah. Um, and so to get to a final point here, I want to wrap this up. <laughs> you are a preacher. <laughs> <laughs> final point numbers yes. one through six. Yes. So we've admitted, uh, we are not trying to say that the West is perfect and America is a Christian nation and we love everything no. about this country. Uh, there are many things worth critiquing about the hegemony in our society. And a lot of change very much has taken place. That's right. Okay. Uh, we could say. So sorry, that, real quick. There is no yeah. myth of progress. It's not a myth. Progress has taken place. Go. But there are still things that we would critique. Absolutely. I would still say that Americans need to be critiqued for their consumerism, individualism, individual, and an unhealthy uh, disrespect for authority at times. I don't yeah. know if that's in our revolutionary blood. Right. There's a lot of things about. I struggle our, to wear a mask. That's right. <laughs> same here. There's a lot of things about America that are not good and yeah. and the difference between good and bad is clear because we have a standard we can measure our hegemony against right. to find out where it needs to reform yeah and that standard is god's word that's right uh and that might just be a good place to to leave people on a cliffhanger for our ne- next episode well let me let me ask you one question okay if it's true that our society does need to be critiqued in many ways okay doesn't that mean contemporary critical theory is a useful analytical tool for assessing society? Well, the Southern Baptist Convention passed a resolution that says that they certainly think so. Uh, I don't think so. Um, one of the things that's often said about CCT is that uh, it, it's the oft-quoted, all truth is God's truth. Mm-hmm. So can't therefore, can't we use it? The only problem is it has to be true. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. So I don't want to use something that is fundamentally false as a tool in my Christian yeah. tool belt. You know, I'm going full Bob Vila, put that's on right. my tool belt. Uh, I don't want to put something that's fundamentally false and broken in my tool belt and think that I can use it as a Christian. I don't put false religions into my tool belt. Right. Yeah, we, we would say that Scripture is sufficient. 
everything we need to critically analyze and reform our society is in God's word. Yeah. And there's nothing that contemporary critical theory can give us that we don't already have in the Bible. If we understand that adopting contemporary critical theory as an analytical analytical tool is essentially adopting a different religion, which yeah. has been the whole premise of this episode, yes. that would be like adopting atheism to help us understand biology. Right. Or adopting Islam to help us better understand prayer and fasting. Right. We would never do that. No. We have the scriptures. The Bible is a hegemonic text. It is. God is in tr trying to impose his hegemony on you. And brother, at the end of the day, whether or not people receive it, one day Christ will come and reign as king and all of his values and ethics will rule the day. Amen. Amen. All right, let's, let's wrap it up there. there. Thank you for listening. And we love you. And we love you. Bye. <laughs>